Alright. Hey crew, back on the podcast today. I've got the lovely Beck joining me. So um, I'm gonna let you introduce yourself and tell us a bit about what you do. Awesome, thanks for having me on. My name is Beck Antonucci. I'm an emotional wellbeing coach for women. So essentially what I do is I work with a number of different modalities to support women to recreate a relationship whatever with whatever their thing is that they thought made them a lesser human in society's eyes and empower them to really come back to a place of self-love and take their power back and truly start living their life from an embodied, empowered place. Love it. So um, what are some things that um, you, you in, your, in your experience that you've found that women really struggle with um, and accepting with society? Mm-hmm. Self-acceptance, uh, which can be a number of different things. Lots of people just have this core belief that they're not worthy or they're not good enough for whatever reason. It could be they were bullied in primary school, they were bullied in high school, their parents that didn't love them or didn't give them the love that they believe that they should receive from a parent. Uh, it could be bullying from an older sibling, whatever. Uh, something pivotal happened uh, between, say, say age five or younger, five and 18, where they created this belief system of I'm just not good enough as I am and I need to be something different other than how I am to find and get love and acceptance in this world. And that can show up in dissatisfaction with the physical body. So I have a lot of women who come to me with body image stories. Uh, STI shame and sexual trauma is another thing that I speak into quite openly and support women to break through. Uh, Infidelity. uh, And then anything along the lines of, you know, everyone has what I believe something. It could be mental health, mental illness, ADHD, uh, diabetes. Just I believe that everyone has something and our emotional experience of it is very, very similar. But how it shows up in our life will show up in a different way for each individual person. I love that. That's, um, you know, just from an outsider's perspective, just being a male, but it seems like a very, it's a very tough time to be a female um, in this day and age, right? Is there's a lot of pressure socially put mm-hmm. on females now. Um, whether it's through career, whether it's through families or both. Mm-hmm. Most are trying to juggle both and then you've still got everything else that hasn't changed mm-hmm. in the world. So where it's, uh, you know, whether it's to do with body image or whether it's still self-confidence. And I think that's something that you're bringing forward into, the, into this day and age is being able to give women that support, which mm-hmm. is so, so important. I mean, um, I, I would say that you perhaps care more, and this can be my own projection and judgment, because you have a daughter. Yeah. So you have yeah. like, there's got to be a part of you that has to think about she's young right now and how is she going to be when she's 18 and then 25 and then 30 and we're growing up. I believe I grew up in the best era ever where I was raised without a mobile phone and I got to play outdoors and play catch and play in the park yeah. and get dirty and I didn't have a mobile phone during high school and I got to create a business via social media. So I'm very incredibly grateful for the iPhone and Instagram and on the other hand, I also know how much pressure and expectation and comparison and women already going through their own thoughts and feelings of unworthiness and then seeing these Instagram feeds of people living brilliant lives and we will make an assumption based on a photo and then decide that our lives aren't good enough or our bodies aren't good enough or our partner isn't good enough or our lack of partner we should have one by now we should be married by now or I should have lost more weight by now whatever there there is that they're trying to achieve that someone else on Instagram has and then we end up in this space of I'm not good enough as I am and now I'm comparing myself, like women get obsessed with scrolling feeds and seeing lives that potentially are not true and real, but just portrayed a certain way. And there's this big theme of comparison going on right now as well. 
it's that's um that's something so important that needs to be taught especially to younger younger generation now of the teenage or early teens right is um i was watching that documentary social dilemma on mm-hmm, netflix mm-hmm. and you know it goes into it about how um you know how it can um social media can really tap into those emotions of depression anxiety self-worth um and and feed on that too so it can show you you know if you're lonely it will show you more things of people in relationships and things like that or if you're you know you're happy it will show you things that other people have that you don't have and it just has a spiraling um, effect and it's really sad Mm-hmm. Um, it's really dangerous too. And it's addictive and you know, uh, the mobile phone is a great way to, and anything, any vice is a great way for us to avoid dealing with our emotions. It could be mobile phone, it could be Instagram, it could be uh, chocolate, it could be donuts, it could be food. Chocolate's could great be, Chocolate is great. <laughs> <laughs> it could be fitness, it could be sex, it could be drugs. Yep. I know um, I work with coaches all the time and my mentor really said something to me on Thursday evening that like triggered a very emotional response and it was beautiful. And I found myself on Friday, Saturday, reaching more to my mobile phone because that, and I was, because I do so much of this work, I understand what's going on. I'm like, right, I'm in an emotional process right now, confronting thoughts and feelings arising to the surface. And a great way for me to avoid really going there is to pick up Instagram. There will be someone who's DM'd or someone who's, who's messaged, someone who's liked and commented, and I can avoid what's here for me by going there, yeah. by going into the phone. And I was like, oh, interesting. I'm going to pick up this vehicle so much more. And I was like, what's here for me? I'm trying to avoid really going to the depth of this emotion right now. And that's where Instagram can be dangerous. I love that. That's so, that's so cool that you bring that up because I think, again, like it's so timely we're doing this because um, it's really a pivotal point with the obsession behind our mobile phones, mm-hmm. behind social media. Um, and you know, we're, I suppose we are creatures of habit, right? So if we got something flashed, that's like, you know, go back to caveman days of fire, like, ooh, fire, mm-hmm. phones like it's so many colors and so much, um, so much glitz and glam on it. And mm-hmm. you're scrolling through, it just like captivates you. Mm-hmm. And, and you like you said, that's, that's such a obvious way to distract yourself from real world problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, people, this is the thing, people really want to feel. When women and men, I work with men as well, come to me, they really do want to feel. And yet we're kind of being conditioned because we've got so much temptation at our fingertips. Want to get likes and validated and feel pretty? Just post a sexy photo of yourself. In likes, validation. We're all searching for approval. Well, approval is at your fingertips. I want a man. Oh, look, there's Tinder and Bumble and Hinge and whatever other dating apps are there. I want to avoid pain through eating something that tastes nice. Look, I want to, like, everything is at our fingertips now. And so with that so easily accessible, it requires a deep level of discipline. Yes. Because we've just, you know, we are creatures of habit. So if we quickly reach for the iPhone, we quickly reach for the food, we quickly reach for sex, when maybe sex isn't the thing that we should be going to right now, that becomes the habit versus saying, hey, avoid the instant distraction and stay in your lane and feel what you're here to feel. But we've been, we've got all of these easy distractions at our fingertips that it becomes hard. Yet it's the complete opposite of what people most want. Yeah, yeah, the hard parts are not always the easiest. I yeah. mean, everything is hard at the end of the day, right? So whether you're um, going back to relationships, being, being in a relationship is hard. Mm-hmm. Being single is hard. Mm-hmm. You know, being broke is hard. Mm-hmm. Being, having money is hard. You know, mm-hmm. every, everything that you do is gonna be hard. It's just what, what is your choice of I say this all the time, like pick your heart because being unhealthy, being overweight, waking up, hating yourself every day and looking in the mirror, that is hard. 
exercise is hard. I don't really love to run. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I don't really love, I love skipping and that's about the only cardio I do like. And yet, waking up and not feeling good about myself, I actually believe that's harder. And so doing self-worth work, doing the inner work, confronting your emotions is hard. Avoiding them and being in a state of constant dissatisfaction with yourself, I again think that's harder. So it's kind of like pick your heart. Yeah. Being, being yeah. like working hard is, is hard. You know, I think yeah. it becomes easier when you're doing the thing that you love. But being yeah. broke and going through thoughts and feelings of scarcity every single day and not enough and paying for things out of fear and wondering how much money's in your bank account and can I afford this or Christmas coming coming and I'm worried. That to me feels much harder than working hard and having money. Yeah. It's just like pick your heart and go for it fully. Hundred percent. Yeah. There's no there's no easy path out of anything mm-hmm. really. Um, yeah, that brings us back to the conversation about how people are really struggling with their own mental health. And mm-hmm. This is like where you step in. Um, so, if you don't mind sharing, but like, what are some tactics if you take me through like an average, um, like the average type client coming to you who's struggling with self worth, who's mm-hmm. struggling with emotional well being? Um, well, what's your what's your process through that? So, I open a container with my clients. I don't believe that you can do a one off healing session and just walk out and live this empowered life. I believe that. Well, the beautiful and most powerful thing about coaching is you create this radical awareness. So where I am right now, I don't want to be anymore and I deserve better than my current reality. So great, you've got an awareness around where you are and you want change. Now, the difference between coaching and therapy or a psychologist is a coach will give you action steps. Because we can talk about your thoughts and feelings all day. Great, you might feel a little bit freer. You shared vulnerably, I see you, and that feels liberating and freeing if you've never shared your truth before. Amazing, that's the first step. But walk out the door. But if you walk out the door and you don't do anything, I personally believe that's victim mindset and essentially us living in our own self-created suffering. So if you have an awareness and you don't do anything about it, you're choosing that. So then the point of going to a coach is you're saying, this is my awareness. I know why, I am. this was me for years, I know why I am the way that I am, but I didn't do anything about it. And so that's where the coach gives you action steps to create change and I hold the person and support them and give them tools and different modalities and I support them when they're confronted and challenged to actually integrate those changes into their life and maintain them. Because just like a diet, if you do a diet for what, 12 weeks, you'll look great after 12 weeks and 12 months time, will your clients still look amazing? Potentially not. You need to create changes that are maintainable, sustainable for the long term. So I start with just little bits. If there's just one thing that you could apply, that if you were to do that and nothing else, it would make everything else easier and or unimportant. And so it can start with setting your day up correctly. Like the woman or the man intentionally setting their day up, breath work, meditation, mindfulness, some empowering mantras that are unique and specific to what the person needs. So if you don't believe you're worthy of love, I would literally have my client wake up and tell herself every day, I'm worthy of love. It's the best day. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, so that's like really setting yourself up for success by setting your day up is really my first step. Yeah, and that's um, um, on a much... uh, I suppose more um, simple scale. What, mm-hmm. you're, what you're talking about seeing your day up is there was a, you probably would have seen the video going around years ago about um, US Marines just talking about making your bed in the morning. Mm-hmm. How, like, how simple that task can be, no matter how bad of a day you had. If you just made your bed every morning, you've got a nice bed to go back to at the end of the day, no matter what type of day you had. I believe that's a worthiness piece as well. I used to, my bedroom used to be, for better word, a shit tip. Like, all I wear is active wear and bikinis, and there would be clothes everywhere. My housemates would be like, how is your bedroom so messy? But I believe that, that comes down to a worthiness piece as well. If you don't, if someone was coming around, I would clean my bedroom. 
So if you were here, I would clean because I wanted it to look nice for you. So I put you and your worthiness above mine. But for myself, I just didn't have the self-worth to actually clean my space and keep it nice because I deserve a nice and clean space. And so when I started working on my self-worth, I started cleaning my bedroom. And I was like, my housemates were like, what's going on? Is someone coming around? Like, why is your bedroom so clean all the time? And I was like, no, I've worked on my worth enough to know that you're not more important to me. I get to clean my bedroom and have a beautiful space energetically and in my mind for myself first, not because someone's coming and I want it to be nice for them. Yeah. That's, that's a really cool concept. Like that's a really cool belief. I should say more Mm -hmm. so the concept, but um, a really cool belief to have because you know how you, and I'm the same, right? I can't work in my house unless everything's clean Mm -hmm. because I feel like everything's organized and might be because of my ADHD, but um, yeah, I like everything to be clean and everything to be tidy before I sit down to work because to me, that's that the environment is like you know clutter, right? Clutter in the mind is clutter in your home as well. Mm-hmm. And if you're if you got that sort of blockages mentally um, and physically, it will show up in your physical. I world. mean, I'm not fully. I'm I'm messy and fast paced, but I still make the effort to like clean up my bedroom every day. Yeah, have my part. office space clear so I can just go for it and I yeah I think it comes down to worthiness above all else yeah no that's that's so, so simple I think if like for people particularly people struggling with um, emotional well-being mm-hmm. if they can take one thing away from the first part of this podcast is um, yeah clean the clean that space and um, use that as a value of self-worth yeah so I, I would I would ask especially you know um, I feel like in this society it's so easy to do something for someone else we're very much self-sacrificial humans where if you ask me for something, I'd be like, no, no problem. I'll go and do that. Even if it's out of congruence for myself, even if I actually really didn't want to, we're living in a society of people pleasers. And if I was to say no to you and potentially cash say, hey, I didn't like that you said no to me, I'll create a story of rejection. And therefore I must appease you or do something nice for you so that you accept me. And so what I would say to the woman or the man is when you have a choice, be like, am I choosing myself right now? Would my higher self choose for me to make my bed? Would, am I good enough for myself? If good enoughness is what we're here to co-create with ourselves in the universe, and we are good enough, it's just our belief is that we're not. So yeah. if we're to create the belief system that I'm good enough, ask every time you're making a choice, like what would my higher self choose right now? Am I choosing to honor myself or am I choosing not to? And I think when we come back to asking that question, what would my higher self choose? She's gonna say, Choose what we what you most deserve, which is a beautiful, clean space. Yeah, and that can be put into so many different areas of life. Like, I think statistically, it's like one in four hundred million is our chance. I could be wrong; don't quote me on that. But one in four hundred million chance it is for us to be alive, like mm-hmm. to be, for us to be human, right? Mm-hmm. Living, breathing beings on this earth, um, and that alone and that chance is is worth everything. And like, if you're ever not feeling not worthwhile just remember that you you won that chance mm-hmm. to be here yeah mm-hmm. um and that's that's something that gets lost so easy through again distractions mm-hmm. um so all right so what's another step you go into so other than setting up the routine so another part would be you know everything is unique and tailored specific to the individual but a lot of what i do is self-acknowledgement as well so the woman i believe that we speak our self-love into existence my mentor preston smiles teaches this speak what you seek until you see what you said. So I believe a lot of us live in this space of lack. Like, I'm not going to say anything nice about myself right now because I don't feel nice in the now moment. I'm like, okay, beautiful. That's great that you feel this way right now. But I want you to visualize the truest, highest version of you who exists in 12 months' time. Close down your eyes and visualize her or him. 
and see him whoever you see they exist because that you can fill it within and so i asked the client to do that and so then we speak about the self in 12 months as if he or she was here right now and really speak her or him into existence and the client gets into a place of say you want more money rather than always being like i want more money speak as if all the money that you want is here right now speak as if you're the most wealthy abundant frivolous generous human right now not that she or he is always in the future otherwise i personally believe that the universe is a giant yes button so whatever you say will come alive if you believe that you're wealthy not that you want to be healthy if you want to the universe is like yeah you want you want to be wealthy you want more money you want to love yourself of course you want to and you'll continue to want want to but if you believe that you are like actually can embody believing that you are right here right now then the universe will be like yes you are that and that's what will come alive for you as well that's that's really cool um because that that's something i heard years ago about um more perspective on it right if, uh, and i think it was if you had more than ten dollars in your bank account you got more money than 80 percent of the world's population mm-hmm. because most of it's in 80 percent of the world's in poverty and extreme poverty mm-hmm. um so if you put in perspective that you're wealthy with just that um and that can make you know ten dollars if you if used right can do better than ten thousand dollars spent wrong mm-hmm. um so yeah looking at the perspective of where you're currently at um can make a huge difference in mental health yeah i mean i think there's a lot of lack going on right now again coming back to comparison but if you have a mobile phone which most likely everyone listening to this does because they're listening to this podcast you are wealthy you are abundant you have so much opportunity at your fingertips so much so much i used to say i believe personal freedom is available to all people i do take that back i believe that personal freedom is available to all people in the western world we have clean water we have you can come back from anything and create and if you can own an iphone you are much richer than what your ego will tell you that you are maybe you know you're not traveling around the world with a louis vuitton handbag compared to some influencer on instagram but then i would also ask the woman sometimes we believe we are comparing ourselves to things and people that we don't even want to live like and so i really love to get the woman and the man back to a place of what do you truly want for yourself like that's another part of my practice define if you don't believe you're good enough let's define a glass ceiling and if to bring it back into layman's terms you know that i met you in the fitness industry yes yep i've gone through Four a huge, huge yeah. body image yeah. journey and no matter how many and i was a yo-yo dieter no matter how many times i transformed my body every time i got there i'd never defined there so i'd always shift the bar higher and so I never got somewhere and was like, I'm good. Like, this was my goal. It was always like, I work, 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 wherever I got. It may have been my goal, but I didn't define it. And therefore, I wanted to be somewhere else. I wanted to be better or lose more weight or be leaner or win a different competition or do a different photo shoot. So I was never good enough as I was. I really get the client to hone in on what does it mean to be good enough for yourself so that your goals and aspirations are unique to you and not in comparison to someone with an LV handbag flying around Europe that you don't even want to live or be like. Yeah, that's, that's so true. Is, um, and just from a, you know, from a fitness perspective, is something I, I tell my clients to try being practically relatable to what you're saying is um, regardless of what goal you want, because I always get, particularly females, um, they'll sit down in their consultation and go, oh, I don't look like this. And they'll show me someone or one of my clients on Instagram. I'm like, cool so when she started off she took photos of herself every week and we just tried to better it a tiny bit the smallest tiny bit whether it's just you know a little bit on the shoulders or a little bit on the quads whatever it is that's what we did for her and that's what i want you to do i just want you to take a photo of yourself 
She's like, no, no, I don't want to take a photo of myself because I don't feel good enough. I'm like, it's not about that. It's about constantly trying to progress a little bit till you get to that happy place. I'm like, being happy where you are now. I'm just going, cool, all we're going to do is just make little tweaks here and there until you get to that place that you feel that, you know, you're, you're your ultimate self. Yeah. Well, when I was a personal trainer, I identified a lot of my clients would achieve their goals and still not be happy. And I think every woman's done this, reflected back on a photo of what she once was and wish she was that now. Yeah. And so I remember a particular client, she came back to me and she brought it. I remember when she completed and she was just like, Beck, I'm just not happy and I don't want to spend any more money on personal training. I was like, I want you to do whatever is right for you. She came back six months later, put on a lot of weight and she came back with a photo of her from when she finished coaching with me and she said, I just want to look the way I did then because I'll be happy now. And I said to her, I want you to remember that we had a conversation in this office of how unhappy you were when you looked like that. Yeah. And so now your ego is tricking you into believing that if you now look like that, you would be happy, but you weren't happy when you were looking like that. Yeah. So something is, your ego's got you tricked. It's not about how you look. And so that's why I really wholeheartedly believe in the self-worth work. Having come from that personal training background, you will, if you do it, achieve your fitness from an empowered, embodied place, you will achieve your health goals from a place of self-love and self-respect and self-honor versus a place of lack and limitation and not feeling good enough and wanting to look a certain way so that you can prove yourself to the ex-boyfriend who treat, didn't treat you right or the girls who bullied you in high school or whoever, whoever it is that you're trying to prove your worth to when you, or comparison on social media, whatever it is. When you're trying to achieve a physical goal from that space, you're always never going to be happy no matter what. And when you actually understand that and it focus on your goals based on coming from like a really integrated place, that's when you will achieve your physical fitness goals and love yourself at the same time. Yeah. It's not a, like, even though it's still hard, it's not as hard when you come from that place because mm-hmm. you're not trying to fight your own self-beliefs. Mm-hmm. When, you're, when you're constantly trying to fight these self-beliefs um, and you're trying to do stuff that contradicts what you deep down believe, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're doing stuff that's actually good for you. You're like, I'm not good enough for this. I'm not, I'm not worthy to look like this or do this. And um, that's, that's where it just all comes undone. And that's where people get, you know, four, six, 12 weeks in and they quit. Well, I think my lightest, I was probably 47 kilos. And to put that into perspective, wow. yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. probably like a 65 kilo curvaceous woman, healthy. Yeah. I saw a bigger woman at 47 kilos. Wow. I saw yeah. a bigger woman then. Now, because I've done all of this work, I have a healthy relationship with food. I don't kill myself in the gym. That's not my value anymore because I'm not coming from a place of I have to look a certain way to get love externally. And I believe that if I got love externally, if people liked my appearance, then that would make me accepted. And if I was accepted, I thought that, that would make me safe. And I thought if I was safe, that meant people can't hurt me. So there are all the places that I was trying to achieve my fitness goals from, to protect myself, to have myself accepted externally. Once you go there and do the self-worth work to address the wound, so you're no longer, like I said, doing it from a place of proving, and that's all the work that I do with my clients, then you can be healthy and fit and you can go to the gym a million times a week or one time a week, whatever it is, and actually love yourself. And I see a healthier, more beautiful woman now than what I did at my smallest. I love that, eh? Like, that's, that's something I've experienced personally in um, relationships previously. Mm-hmm. Is, um, you know, females not feeling worthy enough to wear lingerie in front of me mm-hmm. until they looked a certain way. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'd 
fell in love with you because I think you're beautiful now, mm-hmm. not because you have to lose mm-hmm. a certain amount of body fat or mm-hmm. look a certain way. And I, yeah, I think that's just something so vital right now. Well, I'm also a naked awakening facilitator, which is essentially personal development and nude yoga combined with nude naked movement for the woman to essentially reveal herself. It's female only. And a lot of the women come and there are women that, you know, look like Victoria's Secret models whose partners have never seen them naked with the lights on because they have so much internal shame around the appearance of their physical self, the appearance of their genitalia, whatever it is that's going on from them mentally. And what I love, what what I most love about these workshops is it doesn't actually matter what the woman looks like. So the woman can be healthy, fit, look like a Victoria's Secret model, be a little bit overweight. Women will still speak about themselves the exact same way, no matter physically how she appears. And certain women, you know, we all pass judgment. Certain women you can look at and think you have it all. This was my first experience of nude yoga like three and a half years ago. There was one particular woman who looked like she was in, or sounded like when she expressed that she was in her deepest pain. And she was a woman who I would have, if I walked past her on the street, thought, you've got, you've got it all. From a woman's perspective, you are the perfect woman. You've got everything. And to hear the thought process behind that is just so... What you look like really has nothing to do with how you feel about yourself. And I think women get confused and they think once they look a certain way, then I love myself. And that's where we, there's a misalignment. It doesn't actually matter how you look. It's everything to do with how you feel. And then your eyes will see a different woman in the reflection because they'll see through the empowered thoughts rather than the thoughts of lack and limitation. I love that. That's so cool. Uh, that's something I, I think from this point I'd refer um, female clients go do more of is go embrace the full self mm-hmm. um feels a bit weird coming from male say that but um <laughs> but yeah go express their full body because that that just triggers so much pain and resistance and again like when you try restrict yourself instead of going hey look i get to celebrate myself because i get to exercise freely i get to eat freely instead of going oh, i have to restrict how much um time i sit down or restrict how much time i go to the gym or restrict how much i'm eating like it's just again comes down to that perspective of um you know making yourself freely to do what you want mm-hmm. yeah and, and care for yourself mm-hmm. yeah. and again it's like you know a lot of the work that i do with women again because it can be around body image is really describing what your ultimate loving relationship with your physical body feels like for you That's it, from an yeah. emotional place or i would call this say feminine and masculine energies and we have both in both the male and the female we have both but the female is the emotional body and the masculine is the logical mind And so I would get the woman or the man to describe what it feels like to truly be in love with your physical self. And then from a masculine place, I would get them to write a list of standards. So say they were struggling with their relationship with food, I would get the woman to write what it feels like to have a thriving, healthy, loving relationship with food. So for me, once it was like, I never gave myself permission just to finish work and be like, what do I feel like today? What do I fancy? Because it was like, you must eat chicken and broccoli. You know, that so kind boring, of, yeah. <laughs> and so I never got to just go to the shops and look around and be like, what do I fancy? And so that was a part of it. Like I, I give myself full permission to actually honor my unique needs, knowing that my body will always pick what she needs most. Yeah. Most of the time it's salad and healthy food. And sometimes it's chocolate and sometimes it's sweet potato fries. And sometimes it's a double cheeseburger from Macca's. Like it can be whatever she is, but I know that it's no longer from a place of limitation and lack. So when yeah. she has it, she knows that she can have it again whenever she wants. And therefore, she can eat some chocolate, but not all the chocolate. A double cheeseburger, but not then feel guilty about it. And that is the difference. And from a masculine place, my standards would be, 
I eat consciously healthy all the time. I allow myself junk food like 15% of the time or less because I don't value feeling bad about myself. I know if I eat too much junk food, I will. So there's like, yeah. yeah. So there's a list of specific standards on there. And then there's, that's the logical mind. And then I write from the emotional body. So that's a great tool that your listeners could. Yeah, I think that's really, really beneficial is having the two, you know, having those two lists. So having logical and having that freely thinking um, thought process too and going, all right, cool. I know I need to take care of myself doing these simple guidelines where it's just, you know, eating a green vegetable to a day, having a piece of fruit. Exactly. um, Making sure, you know, get some sort of protein in. Um, and drinking plenty of water and the rest is alright cool I've done all that go have a piece of chocolate or something now. Mm-hmm. not a whole family block but you know roll or something where you're mm-hmm. like I, I deserve that mm-hmm. like I'm um, yeah there's no reason why I don't deserve that mm-hmm. yeah that's, that's so important. and the same in terms of relationship with body so like, describe your ultimate loving relationship it could be to feel sexual to be confident to wear lingerie in front of your partner and there's no provided that I look I'm 15% body fat it's just I'm confidently wear lingerie in front of my partner and from a masculine kind of or logical list of standards like for me it's that I move my body every day and move your body yeah move my body so some form of exercise it's no longer it has to be really strict and for me I have to enjoy it as soon as I've lost the enjoyment I can't force myself to do it Mm -hmm. so sometimes I like can never have long term gym memberships because I'll do something for three months and then my like inner child is like, I'm bored here. I need to go do something different. So I'm like, Pilates, boxing, this, that. But as long as I'm enjoying it and it doesn't matter what it is, as long as I move for 45 minutes, I'm happy. That's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's something I'm a big believer in. You know, I'll get, I'll get people who are very obsessed about details of things come to me and they're like, oh, what's the perfect program for me? I'm like, honestly, I'll just tell you, go for a walk if it suits you. Like mm-hmm. that's better for you because that's going to help you mentally you're moving regardless of what exercise prescri- prescription I give you if you're not enjoying it you won't get good results from it so you've got to really love it and we all thrive differently some people really thrive on structure yeah I don't like I, I thrive on a little bit of structure but I'm mostly very feminine and very playful so too much structure makes me feel trapped so forcing myself to do the same single thing every single day I'm like my personality yeah. is like, give me two Pilates sessions a week and two boxing and two F45 and one of these. <laughs> that's like a billion memberships and $5 yeah. million dollars later. But it's really about finding real, the woman and the man realizing that there's no one particular way to do anything and keep trialing everything until you find what uniquely works for you. That's it. That's the basic of it is um, don't be afraid to fail because I suppose a lot of people... Um, I suppose you'd experience this a lot with your clients is they're, they're afraid to try new things because they don't want to fail at mm-hmm. that particular thing. Mm-hmm. And um, that comes down to being vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. Being vulnerable enough to suck at something for the first time or mm-hmm. for the first 10 times, like whatever it is, like until you learn how to master your craft, mm-hmm. it's not going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen in a week or even six months. It mm-hmm. might take years mm-hmm. and that's okay. And I think delivering that message that's okay to be vulnerable in new situations and experience experience new things mm-hmm. I think that's a, bit, a really important message mm-hmm. yeah um, a question uh, actually about the difference you find between male and female clients that come to you and their, and their uh, differences in their struggles like the common or most common I think they can be quite similar I know that there is a lot of shame for men around body image okay. performance in the bedroom uh, whether your dick's big enough and if you can earn enough money to and provide. 
to provide. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So there's, I feel like there is immense pressure on men at the moment in society equally. I know you addressed this at the beginning for women, but I believe that there's a lot going on for men as well. Am I good enough? Am I good enough for a woman? Uh, can I provide enough? Can I perform sexually? And there's just so much uh, influence going on right now. You know, there's a porn industry that is teaching men to have sex in a way that actually isn't embodied and integrated in the true masculine. I hate porn, eh? And like, there's, I'm not, I'm not one for it, eh? Well, a lot of, in the personal development world, there's a lot of men going on porn strikes so that they can relearn like how to have sex based on how it intuitively feels for them. How it feels. That's and, so important. And not yeah. how they've been conditioned to do it based on how they've seen it in porn. So women uh, show up to sex uh, as a whole, this is a very big generalization, but women that I experience show up to sex from a performance place because they think that they need to be like the girls in the porn films. Sad, isn't it? They also have a lack of value for the appearance of their own genitals because they think that it needs to be beautiful and perfect based on the girls that they've seen in porn. They think that men will only like that. Then men have their own identities that they go through and think that they have to perform based on what they've seen as well. And women actually don't like to, for the most part, be be on the receiving end of that. It feels like you don't see me and you're not holding me and you're not here with me. You're just going through this performance as well. And then we turn up and be like, oh, this relationship didn't work out because he doesn't fully see me. And he's saying, well, I don't know how to give her what she needs. And I feel like I need to put in a performance so that my ego feels really validated. And so that's what I believe is the biggest, the main two things that men go through that women, even though they go through that similar, there's a lot of pressure that you must be great in the bedroom. You must earn a lot of money for you to be good enough as a man. And all of this big pressure on what it means to be a man in this society. And also the other thing that I truly believe is women are celebrated for expressing our emotions and feelings and to be vulnerable and yet men have been told you know big boys don't cry good boys don't cry scratch your knees and get up and get on with it don't express emotion it's weak to express emotion these are none of my beliefs i think it's truly masculine like the real embodied masculine to express deep emotion and that's what women really want but you have been so suppressed by society that it's a very big struggle and challenge for you to express that that's that's yeah, amazing. <laughs> it's, uh, one of the things I wouldn't mind touching on there is um, males and um, performance in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. That's massive. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I've got, I got friends myself who struggle with the, with the um, pressure they put on themselves for that mm-hmm. area. Um, and me being a single male, um, um, even it's just, yeah, meeting different um, or having different people come into my life and they come from different backgrounds where it's, 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 they've come out of relationships where it is performance based and it's like, they're going to do this this way or do that that way. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how about we just, you know, chill everything right down, mm-hmm. slow everything right down, just feel and try to be present mm-hmm. and forget about what, you know, what had, had worked for that person mm-hmm. or, and yeah, also what I've seen on, you know, um, porn, for example, it's, it's sad mm-hmm. because there's so much misinformation. And again, it comes back to that. Uh, that illusion that we see on television mm-hmm. and you know if we go back to when our grandparents used to tell us don't believe what you see on TV don't believe what you see on your mobile phone mm-hmm. or what you see on Pornhub because that's not that's not real mm-hmm. you know that's everything's staged you know whether it's the, the, the girl from Louis Tom Bag that has a videographer that's getting mm-hmm. paid $50,000 a year to follow her around all the time you don't mm-hmm. have that that's not your life mm-hmm. yeah. and that, again that comes down to a worthiness piece of you know, a big part of what I teach my clients is they get up and they ask themselves every day, what do I uniquely need? 
So what are my needs today? And they set an intention around that. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Today yeah. it might be laser. Today I'm laser focused. Yesterday, you know, it was my best friend's birthday on Sunday. So yesterday was a day to relax after a yeah. big night out. But so every one day it might be to to experience joy and presence, or to embody my inner child, or to move my body more, or to like whatever the intention is based on my unique needs. The same thing happens in the bedroom. You get to ask yourself, what do I uniquely need? And it requires a deep level of self-trust and vulnerability to be able to express that to someone. And human connection. Too. And human that's connection. That's so big. And that's lost yeah. through, you know, talking and messaging. My phone's like, I prefer... It's actually quite funny now. Um, um, you know, Dane, I suppose, is a word to use, but um, how when someone messaged me, I'm like, cool, let's catch up in person um, because I, I talk a lot better than I mm-hmm, message. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are like, huh? I'm like, yeah. what? Talking in person? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you know, like normal people. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> like it's quite it's almost like um black sheep. Like Sometimes I give my clients challenges that they're not allowed to text anyone for two weeks. Yeah. And all they can do is voice note. And they're like, What do you mean I can't? I'm like, even if it's okay, I'll meet you there in ten minutes, do not text that. Voice note it because people are scared to use their voice. I send voice notes to everyone. And women will be like that was such a beautiful voice note. I'm scared to send you one back. So I'm just typing this because people are really scared and we've become so facade confident messaging. We can message what our sexual needs are, but we can't express it. We can break up with someone via text, but we can't say it to their face. We can send a, say you hurt me and I want an apology via text, but we can't say, hey, Cash, you hurt me. And this is the reasons why. It requires a deep level of vulnerability, but that is what will create connection. So if you're not receiving what you need in the bedroom or you're lacking connection, I'm seeing someone at the moment and in the first like months of seeing him, I told him we're not sexually compatible. And that was hugely confronting for me because I was like, I like everything about you except that's not working for me. And for me, and I do this work when it's emotionally charged, it's confronting. I was like, I felt like my heart was pounding out of my chest to say to someone's face, but I was like, I need so to. so much else behind it. Like yeah. everything else works except for that one thing, which is a massive factor. If you yeah. get trapped in these relationships, where they're not sexually fulfilled or they're not even sexually compatible, mm-hmm. everything else works, so they stay there, mm-hmm. but then they end up, you know, But if you don't address sad. it, you can, if you're willing to face off with it and have the conversation, because for me, there was emotional trauma. In my history, I've had like sexual trauma, STI trauma, um, you know, a number of different things. So for me, it's so emotionally charged to have this conversation that there's so many wounded elements of me that's like, this could be happening again, or this same thing is happening, or this is bringing up thoughts of the past of being assaulted by a man so all different kinds of things so if I feel like even if the man's intention is not to just use me if I create the story that he is it creates a trauma response so to have that conversation with someone is really confronting um but it is what will create the depth of connection that you're searching for I love that that's so cool mm-hmm. uh, that's really amazing we'll just go check the time how are we going um, 38 minutes in so far so good it's mm-hmm. gone quick hasn't it yeah yeah. Um, I can talk all day long yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it um, yeah that, yeah, and again you know, where it goes from um, if we're bringing it back to you know we talk about males and what they're struggling with in that area is other thing is the, the pressure of having to provide right mm-hmm. that's a massive one and I, I put that on myself previously and that, that destroyed my relationships mm-hmm. is uh, putting pressure on myself to provide and be what I, what I consider worthy mm-hmm. or make a worthy amount mm-hmm. of money um, and success in comparison to other people that were in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was at that point in my life almost un- unattainable. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something I could achieve right then and there. 
But I put that pressure on myself and that, and that same pressure to put um, pressure in other areas of my life. Mm-hmm. So it takes time away from the present because I'm so focused on the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's, that's something that's really common too. So that's awesome. Yeah. As when I would ask a client uh, to define what it truly means to them to be worthy. So if your worth is based on how much money you have and your worth is based on what your body looks like and your worth is based on what car you drive and your worth is based on how many Instagram follows you have, your worthiness will always be outside of yourself, mm. which means once one of those things crashes and you know life is unpredictable, you never know what's going to happen. Once one of those things falls, does that mean that you're no longer worthy? And if that's your belief system, your power is always outside of the self. Yeah. yeah and so, so true. When I, I, I believe that to be working on our passion, we decide that that makes us worthy. When we're out of alignment with the truth of who we are, that can create thoughts and feelings of unworthiness. So we put pressure on the financial aspect of it, but is that truly the pressure? And then define, again, if, you, if finance is a goal for you, what goal would make you good enough? Otherwise, again, you'll earn the money and you'll be like, no matter how much money you earn, people always want to earn more. Yeah, 100%. And so define what good enough would mean for you, for you to be like, I'm actually, for me, being empowered in my business is really important to me and working on what lights me up on site is really yeah, important to me. Yeah, because that drives your inner flame, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if I always am chasing the next client or the next workshop or the next group program, X amount of women have to sign up to it, then that's coming from an egoic place and that's saying that my worth is outside of myself and it's numbers-based versus my true alignment is me living on purpose and that makes me worthy. For me, it makes you happy too. Yeah, it makes you exactly. way happier. Yeah, instead of going, you know, and um, again, just to, to, to come up with a more uh, relatable story of something I've done previously is, um, you know, business, for example, I've had business coaches like, oh, you got to get this many leads, this many sales, this much mm-hmm. turnover. Instead of going, okay, I can help these people in this way, so let me master my craft so those people that uh, are drawn to that mm-hmm. come to me instead of me going out and searching for any Tom, Dick and Harry, mm-hmm. which generally doesn't make you happy at what you do. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, yeah, I totally get that. Totally get that. Yeah, it really depends what your why is. If your why is money, because you were raised in poverty and your parents had a terrible relationship with money and you lived in public housing system. I have a friend like this um, and he's very successful. He doesn't really care what he does. He will trade his time for money because his highest value is safety, security, financial security. So he works like three jobs, he has heaps of houses, he also values enjoying life, but his thing is, I will trade my time and do a job that I don't love for the financial exchange. That's his why. To escape the pain from the child. Yes, exactly. For me, I'm not driven by money. I love to make money. I love money and I love what money does for me, but my driver is fulfillment. So I can't exchange my time for the money. It won't fulfill me and I'll feel out of alignment and then that is what I believe causes feelings of anxiousness and depression. Yes, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I feel that a lot. Like, um, yeah, you just hit the nail on the head. That's so true. So getting yeah. crystal clear on what your why is and then taking action. Because it doesn't. if money is your why, that's fine. Because you want to avoid the pain of childhood. Beautiful. But at least you know. And then you can create action steps from that. If you're aiming for money, but your why is fulfillment, and you're getting money and you're wondering why you're unhappy, well, you, if you're not achieving the fulfillment, it, won't matter, it will not matter what amount of money comes. And we see this from wealthy people and celebs saying, fame and fortune doesn't make you happy. They've got to experience that. Yeah. So we get to realise if we understand what our driving force is, we can then go and create from that space. 
Ah, I love this. I love this whole conversation. Eh? This is just, um, it's very, uh, every, every podcast I've done is a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is like totally different again. So it's really, it's really cool to get this experience to talk with you about these topics. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, how are we going? So I'm just double check that. So about 43, 40, yeah, 33. Yeah. Sorry, I don't have glasses on. Um, well, uh, you, is there anything else you want to touch on? Anything else that you do that you cover? What I'll do is I'll wrap it up there and um, let you just say a bit about how people find you. How yeah. they get in contact with you and um, what, what they need to do to start working with you. Perfect. So I'm on Beck Antonucci on essentially all platforms, but I'm mostly active on IG. So Instagram uh, to work with me. So I do online workshops. I do a group. I have a group program for women launching 1st of February. And I do one-on-one coaching for women and men. So it's essentially they reach out to me to let me know. That can be the first step for them. I need them to be wanting to make create the change and willing. So they reach out to me on IG and then we go through a short process to see if we're a fit for each other and that's what and if we are and we're both for someone to work with me they need to be a yes to the self-worth work they need to be a yes to me and i need to be a yes to them same as per- personal training there's yeah. no point in me coming to you if i'm not motivated by you you yeah. can give me the most amazing program you can yell at scream at me all day if i'm not motivated by your unique style it's not going to work exactly so that's the three yeses yes to me yes me being a yes to them and then being a yes to the self-worth work and if that shows up then we discuss what a coaching relationship looks like and we go from there we make some magic I love it. That's so cool. Thank you so much for coming on board, Beck. Pleasure. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You're amazing. Thank you. Um, all Beck's details will be in the description below with a link to her IG. So please jump on there and check her out. Thanks again.